0: today on Anchored in the Word. You can't do anything in your own power. Remember, no matter how powerful a person can become or be, how powerful a nation can be, how powerful a court can become, they can give you the name supreme. I mean, it doesn't get any higher than that, does it? But compared to God, it's a joke as far as power goes. And the secret to the kingdom is learning who you are in light of who he is is and knowing that He manifests Himself in your weakness. When I'm 18,
1: Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman, Christ has only good things to say to the church in Philadelphia, as we hear in Revelation 3, and the first thing He has to praise them for is their lack of strength. Now, that doesn't sound like a good thing, but in their weakness, this church was in the perfect place to allow God to show His strength. When we see our weakness next to God's greatness, we start to find that faith and obedience come naturally. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation,
0: chapter 3, verse 8, with today's study. First, he tells them, I'm putting an open door there. There's an open door, and I'm opening a door for you. And then he says, and this is unusual. He said, You're telling me this is the, I mean, out of the seven churches, this is the one to pick. And this is one of their attributes, and it's named first. He names it first. He says, for you have a little strength. What? A little strength? I mean, come on. That's opposed to everything we've been taught, isn't it? That's the last thing a man wants to be is found with a little strength. I mean, you want to have the most strength. And the idea of a little strength—you hide that. You, you, you don't, even if you got it, you don't want people to know about it. You know, you try and act like you have more strength than you have, or you don't hear people talking about uh, they're the superpower. You, you don't talk—they're number fifty in the world, right? They don't—you don't hear them talking about number fifty in the strength in the world. Who cares if you're not number one? You can have all the strength. This is what Jesus can work with. See. This is what happened to you when you came to Christ. You didn't come with power. You had to lay down your pride. That's the power. You had to lay that down. You came in weakness to Christ. That's how you come to him. You recognize in your weakness that you need him, that you can't do it. This is what the Bible says regarding this idea. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, my grace is sufficient for you. And that that word grace... Means power. My power is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, God talking, is made perfect in weakness. We don't know what it was about this church. Maybe they were small. Maybe they didn't have a lot of resources. It doesn't say. We don't know for sure. But one of the things they weren't is they weren't prideful. They weren't depending on their own strength to get things done. They weren't depending on the strength of numbers, their bankroll to get things done. You know, the good looking people that went to the church there, the beautiful music that was there. Whatever strength you could see that a church could possibly have, their light show, smoke machines, I don't know, whatever. They weren't depending on all that. They weren't depending on any of that. They had a little strength, though. They had a little strength, and that was a good thing because Jesus' strength is made perfect in weakness. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So they had learned that secret. You can't do anything in your own power. Remember, no matter how powerful a person can become or be, how powerful a nation can be, How powerful a court can become. They can give you the name supreme. I mean, it doesn't get any higher than that, does it? But compared to God, it's a joke as far as power goes. And the secret to the kingdom is learning who you are in light of who He is and knowing that He manifests Himself in your weakness. See, we see the world sees weakness as a bad thing, it's not good. Do everything you can to keep from being that way. And God sees things differently. What God says is, I manifest myself in weakness. That's why he picked fishermen, to be a spokespeople. Come on, these people, they weren't college kids. They weren't, they weren't learned people. They were good at what they did. I'm sure they knew how to fish. And by the way, don't knock blue-collar type stuff, because it's, you, know, you can be a short person in doing that kind of stuff. But they weren't public speakers that went out. But he used them in a powerful way because they trusted him and they believed in him. And they weren't leaning on their, how good they could fix a net. How good is that? How good does that work when you're out there speaking to the masses? Maybe you could have some fishing illustrations or something. But the point is, that's as far as it goes. They had to rely on the power of Almighty God to meet them right where they were. That's why he whittled down Gideon's army. So that there would be seemingly, no, not seemingly, insurmountable odds. Because he wanted to manifest himself. That's why David and Goliath, even got a ruddy, good-looking kid here, he's a, he's a kid. He's a kid, and he's going to go up against this huge giant? God says, he wants to make sure that people understand that it's not even David's rock-throwing prowess. This guy practiced with his sling hours a day when he was out there in the None of that. I mean, one stone hit him, in, hit him in the head and knocked him down. By the way, he ended up cutting his head off too, but that's another story. But it was a mismatch. That's what we call it, right? God's into that. He's into mismatches because he can show himself strong in their behalf, and he gets the glory for it. People can't deny, there's something happening here. What, what happened? What just happened? Well, God manifested himself. He still does that today. He doesn't want churches in their own strength because he won't manifest himself. Then they're going to get the glory. They're going to get the glory. So they had a little strength. That was number one. And by the way, we don't have to seek to go make ourselves weak. That's just who we are in light of him. We have to recognize who we are and that God wants to manifest himself through people, through a group of believers. And then the second thing it says there about them, that he commended them for you have kept my word you have kept my word now he's kept his word god's always kept his word through times he's never violated his word and he's always done what he said he's also kept his word that we it's amazing that we have this book in its form today this bible that we have this god has kept it down through history so much has come against this book People's principalities have tried to destroy this book. There's been times when it was taken away from the people, but God has seen fit that we have it in its written form today. And so he has kept his word. Now the question is, are we? And that's a good to look at a report card. This is a good indicator. Are we keeping his word? How important is his word to us? Well, it's important to us in the sense that we go from Genesis to Revelation. And as long as I'm here, we're going to be continuing to go through God's word just like that. And it's enough. You know, we don't have to add anything to it. It feeds the soul. It encourages the saint. It convicts the sinners. It brings them to to the foot of the cross. It tells us all about who Jesus is. It tells us about why things are the crazy the way they are in this world. It gives us the answers. It tells us where we're going after we leave this place. I mean, what more do you need to know? All that pertains to life and godliness is found in this book. And by the way, you can't master this book. We have to learn who the master is. That's what we're trying to seek to do. But we'll never master this book as long as we live. But we just keep going through it. But I want to tell you something. There's more to it than just just reading the word. Or having the word, because he says, "You have kept my word, so you've kept it in the center, but you have not just heard it, because hearing faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But James talks about the idea, don't just be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. That's where the spiritual growth comes in, by, by, not just by knowing, getting more information, knowing more Bible. The Bible says that knowledge alone puffs up. What does it mean by that, alone? That means it's not being exercised. It's knowledge alone when you're taking it in and it's, you're not doing what it says. You're not doing what the Word says. That's knowledge alone. And you deceive yourselves, James said. You become self-deceived. You, become, you think, oh, this becomes about learning. I need to learn more. You know. And the Bible and the Lord's saying, you need to keep my Word. You need to do what you know. And that's what this church was doing. As simple as that may sound, it's, it's profound, that they were keeping God's word. Now, that's not that popular today. Even in the churches, a lot of what's taking place is we'll use the word as a springboard and we'll start talking about the Bible. Maybe we'll have a Bible up here. And then I springboard from that and start talking about all these philosophies of the day, how to feel good about yourself, how to have a nice life on earth, this, that, and the other. And the whole goal is to make you feel good. And of course, not to say anything negative about anybody or anything, or don't even mention sin, because who wants to talk about that after all, you know? That's the basic problem of the world. Why would we want to talk about that? I mean, God's dealt with that. He's He's the only one that could deal with it. And there's hope. Why wouldn't I want to give hope? Everything else, if it's not true, it's not going to fix the problem. And so they had little strength, but they kept his word. Up until that point, they had kept his word, right? We're keeping his word. We, You see, you bring your Bibles to church. You read your Bibles in your time before the Lord. We're keeping his word because you know what? His word will keep you. As you're keeping His word, His word will keep you. We need it more than ever in these days that we live. And the third thing that Jesus said about the church of Philadelphia you have not denied my name. We're talking about the name of Jesus now. You have not denied my name. We have an illustration of someone who denied Christ, right, Peter, three times. And what denying the name looks like, in, in Peter's case, it was he didn't want to be associated with Jesus because he realized it was not, it was not a good thing because he was gonna, it was going to cost him something to be associated with Jesus, to be affiliated with that name. Hey, aren't you, that, uh, aren't you, aren't you with one of his followers? No, not me. You know, three times he was, he was running scared. He was afraid. He was afraid of being identified with Christ because it would cost him his life or cost him something. And we know, of course, that even though he denied Christ three times, the Lord didn't deny him. That's the good news. But I'm going to tell you something about the name of Jesus. It's powerful. Just the name of Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. You can talk about God if you want to in a lot of circles today. Maybe people aren't totally comfortable with that, but they'll let you do it. G-O-D is okay, because G-O-D could mean a lot of things. They have gods, they've got a God, there's all kinds of gods. But when you mention Jesus, God, that narrows things down. Boy, that really narrows the path down. Well, he said it was a narrow path, didn't he? If you find it, there's power in the name of Jesus. The devil knows it, and he doesn't want you to use it. And he loves you to deny that. There are many ways you could deny it, but my encouragement is, like the church in Philadelphia, not to deny his name. Not to deny his name. He's going to give you all the grace and the power you need not to deny. You can't do it in your own strength. Remember, you only have a little strength. But he says, I will give you the power to do it. But you've got to open your mouth. You've got to open your mouth, and he'll fill it for you. But this church did not deny the name of Jesus. And then it says, indeed, verse 9, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. I'll get to number four in a minute. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Now, I want to tell you something. He's not saying that the people, these people that are lying, these pretenders that are claiming to be one thing and they weren't. He wasn't saying that someday I'm going to get them to worship you. He wasn't saying that, Only there's only one God to be worshipped, and that's Jesus. We, by the way, though we will be like he is, the Bible says, when we go and in this New Jerusalem, we're not going to be worshipped. We're not ever going to be gods. There's only one of those. But we will have the privilege and the pleasure of having a fellowship with the God of the universe, and he'll always be God. That's the way it's going to be throughout eternity, you know, we'll never attain godhood. So that's, that's a lie. But what he's saying is is that these people, these liars, these pretenders, someday, when the truth is made known, they will come before you. You'll be over them. That's That's what he's talking about. You will be over them. They'll be under you. And they will see that you've been serving the true and living God. And then verse 10, and this is the fourth thing that this church was involved in, and this is important for us. He says, You have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The fourth thing is, they kept his command to persevere. What does that mean? It means this. Keep going. One step at a time. One day at a time. Just keep going. You're going to get discouraged in the, in the fight. You're going to get discouraged. You're weak, remember? He wants to show his strength in that weakness one foot at a time. 20 years ago now. Colorado. We went to this ministry after we were first married, Candace and me were serving there in the summer. And I went on this. This is a ministry. They took you out in the mountains and they took you to the end of your physical strength to get you to rely on the strength of the Lord. OK, that way, physically. even. So I'm, I'm a lot younger than 20 years ago. I'm, you know, younger and I'm in fairly good shape at that point. And, and I, so we walked nine miles out Candace didn't go. It was nine miles. We walked to the hike. And then we were going to do some, visit some 14ers, they call them, 14,000-foot peaks, okay? So we hit the first one, okay? And then there was the second one, all right? You get to the top, and they got this little, you unscrew this capsule, you pull out the scroll, you sign your name, you know, put it back in, okay? And then you go to the next. So after two of those, I'm wiped out. Seriously, walking uphill was so... I didn't think I was going to make it, but they're telling just one foot in front of the other. You just kind of kind of look down at your feet and just pick that one up and put it in front in front of the other like that. Okay, to go uphill, it was really painful. Okay, I I could care less about a 14 er at that point. All right. A 13 er I don't care about it. I, I wanted to go home. So we're walking along. You know, you didn't go all the way down to zero and up to 14 again. What you do is you go to the 14, you go back down to this path. And you kind of walk, you know, along the side of the mountains. And you, there's another peak. Okay, let's go up. So the third one, I'm not going up. You guys go ahead. I'm fine. I'll meet you down the road, you know. Because walking level was a lot easier than walking uphill, okay, at that point. And I'm not going up. And I'm serious. I don't need to go up there. I don't, I've already signed two. I don't care about signing three, all right? There's nothing up there I haven't already seen. Beautiful view up there, by the way. But, yeah, I've already seen it twice. It's good from right here. So... The guy goes, "You gotta go." I'm like, "No, I'm not going. I don't think I was ready to fight him. You know, I'm a Christian, you know, so I'm not gonna get in a fight with this other Christian." But finally, I did, and I was, you know, not happy about it. Believe me. And and I'm walking up there, and I'm assuming that there was a reason for it. You know, I did I did make it, but I'm talking about perseverance, though. I did make it, but I made it one step at a time, one at a time, and that's what he's looking for for us. Yes, you're weak. We're in a battle, but it's one step at a time. And his command to persevere, it's not a suggestion to persevere. It's a command. You see, that's, that's when he manifests his power in our weaknesses. Listen to what he says. He's sparing you. Yes, you're going through this. You're going to persevere now. But I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. He's talking about the tribulation period there. The church isn't going to be part of that. We'll read about that later. We'll talk about that later. But he's talking about a a time you don't want to be a part of. And then he, he tells them again, behold, verse 11, I am coming quickly. And he's talking about when this thing starts happening, it's going to happen quickly. There's not going to be any time to get right with God when it happens. The ten virgins, remember, there was five that had oil, five didn't. When, when the bridegroom came, they, were, they didn't have any oil. Oh, we've got to go, go buy some. We're not going to give you any oil. Go buy some. They, went to, they came back. It was too late. So the time to be prepared is before he comes. Behold the warning. I'm coming to you quickly. If you're not right with God today, don't wait any longer. He's coming, going to come quickly. Don't think that, oh, when I see things start to happen, then I'll get right with God. No, get right with God right now Amen. before it's too late. Behold, I am coming quickly. He says, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He's talking about the crown you're going to receive in the future. And the promise now, the encouragement, he who overcomes by faith, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem Which comes down out of heaven from my God. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. The new Jerusalem is going to come down. And that is the place that you've been prepared to live and to dwell for the rest of eternity. And he says, And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you've got an ear to hear, listen what's being said. Jesus is coming. Just like he said, he's coming, and he's going to come quickly. And until then, he says, he's called you to something, and that's he's got an open door. There's an open door. The door is still open for salvation. But you say, well, I'm already saved. Well, the door's open for other people to go in, too. It's not just about you going through the door. It's people going with you. That's what life's all about for us. How many people can we influence to go with us? That's... What we're here for. And there's an open door. He says, Well, I don't have any strength. Good. You don't have any strength. That's good. Well, I have a lot of strength. Bad. If you're leaning on your own strength, that's bad. Get rid of that. That's called pride. Confess that. He's looking for a church with a little strength. He can work with that. And then he's looking for a church that'll keep his word. That'll keep his word. That's important. He's looking for a church that won't deny his name. Don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus. You're going to spend eternity with him. There's a lot of people that, we, that, can, that are going to, we should be ashamed of, but he's not one of them. He's not one of them. He's not well liked by everybody, but that doesn't mean anything. That's not, he's the name of all names, and there's power in his name. Don't deny his name and, and keep going. Persevere. This is a long distance race, it's not a sprint. And we need to persevere in this thing. We may have some hard days ahead of us, but he's going to be with us. That's the promise. And not only that, these may be our hardest times as far as our comfort goes. But this could be revival time. This could be time when people come to know Christ in unlimited numbers that we've never seen before. Because when things get hard, that's the way reality smacks you in the face. And the props that were propping people up fall down. And they're forced to look at things for what they really are. You've got the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's made us for such a time as this. You've got a little strength. That's all we need. He can work with that. He wants to work with that. He will work with that. Thanks
1: so much for joining us here on Anchored in the Word. It's such a blessing to bring you this sound Bible teaching every day. It's our prayer that Anchored in the Word is being used by God to further the growth and discipleship you're already experiencing at your church. Perhaps you're listening today and you don't have a home church. The messages you hear from Pastor Bill here on Anchored in the Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Coastlands. So, if today's message has blessed you and you don't have a home church, please join us for worship. For more information, log on to anchoredintheword.com and follow the link to the church website. We encourage you to join us next time as Pastor Bill continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation. To learn more about Anchored in the Word, Pastor Bill or Calvary Chapel Coastlands, log on to www. .anchoredintheword.com There you'll find helpful tools that you can use as you study God's word. Again, our web address is anchoredintheword.com. Social media is such a big part of our lives these days. We encourage you to visit our Facebook page and become our Facebook friend. Log on to anchoredintheword.com and follow the link to our Facebook page. Or you can always give us a call. Our phone number here at Anchored in the Word is 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. And don't forget to place a marker in your Bibles and join us again as Pastor Bill continues teaching through the book of Revelation.